Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Uh, Let's turn our attention to the Word of God. We have been in a series looking at Jesus' final teachings. Uh, We have been looking at what did Jesus teach to his disciples here leading up to the death and resurrection. And last week, we looked at John 16, verses 16 through 24, and we were reminded that it is not over. The disciples were definitely struggling, and Jesus tells them, listen, in a little while you'll see me, in a little while you won't see me, and then in a little while you're going to see me. And Jesus is bringing encouragement to them that it's about to end, but don't worry, I'm coming back for you. And Jesus talks about how, how when they take them, they're going to be lamenting and they're going to be sorrowful and they're going to be just, their hearts are going to be aching and the world around them is going to be rejoicing at the fact that they are about to kill Jesus. And Jesus promises them that, listen, this isn't going to last. You will see me again and your joy will there will be joy that this world cannot take from you. And we were reminded that we are in a little bit of a similar situation, not in the sense of the day in waiting for Jesus to die and come back, but we, the church, we are, we are still here. And this world rejoices at the fact that they want nothing to do with Jesus. But yet Jesus makes this promise that he is coming back for his people. So we are waiting for his Return. Well, today we are going to be looking at Jesus' prayer in John 17. And, and i got to warn you, we can't look at all of John 17 today. I would love to do a series on just this one chapter because this one chapter is Jesus praying for his disciples. The last several weeks we ha- have been looking. Jesus warns them, listen, things are about to get very difficult for you. The world, they're not going to like you. They're going to hate you, actually, because of me. But Jesus has this prayer. In John 17, we get a glimpse into Jesus' prayer. And because I'm such a creative pastor, the title of today's message is His Prayer. Um, Very creative. It took me many, many hours to really come up with this creative title. But uh, please turn with me to John 17. And we're going to start in verse 9. So please stand with me this morning as we read the Word of God. And we're looking at John 17, starting in verse 9 through 19. Jesus says this, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Verse 11, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Verse 13. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your your word and your world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Verse 15. I do not ask you to take them out of the world 
but, yet, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. And for their sake I have consecrated myself, that they may be sanctified in truth. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, Father, we, we come seeking you. Father, come and by your Holy Spirit, come and minister to our hearts and to our minds this morning. Father, we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. Like I said, Jesus knew his time on this side of heaven was coming to an end. We have looked at this for the last several weeks, and as you look at the Gospel of John, start reading in chapter 14, and you see Jesus' teachings. He is constantly reminding his disciples that things are about to end. Not end completely, but things are about to become radically different for them. That, that uh, Jesus is going to the cross. That this world is about to kill him. And Jesus, in John 17, he prays for them. And like what I said, if, if you have time this week at church, read John 17. Read it every single day. Just look over it and you will see the heart that Jesus has for his disciples here. And as you, you look at it here, Jesus starts off and he says, I'm praying for them in, in John 17, 9. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. Now, when you read this, you might have the, the same question I had here. Jesus, what are you saying here? You're praying for them, but Jesus deliberately says, I am not praying for this world. At first, I was like, whoa, like what? Jesus, like why are you only praying for your disciples here? Like what's, what's going on here? Like why are you only praying for them? And like what I said, we know what the disciples are about to face. Jesus has warned them. It's going to become very difficult for them. But as you, as you look throughout God's word, Jesus intercedes on behalf of God's people. Look at Romans 8.34. says this, who is, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Then look at this. Who, indeed, is interceding for us? Jesus intercedes on behalf of God's people. Now, not everybody is God's people in the sense of those who come under the lordship of Jesus are God's people. Scripture teaches on how us as Gentiles, non-Jewish people, we get grafted into the family of God. And Jesus is reminding them, I am praying for my people, for your people, God. And that that sounds a little bit difficult to possibly comprehend here, but Jesus makes it clear. He's praying for his disciples here. Look at verse 17, verse 20. He's not praying for just his disciples right then and there. He says this, I do not ask for these only, meaning for the 11 that are left, but he says this, but also for those who will, be, who will believe in me through their word. Jesus is praying for his people. 
Not just them back then, but I would also argue for us today as well. That Jesus is praying and, and interceding on our behalf. To me, that brings a lot of encouragement. It re- reminds me that Jesus is, he's, he is constantly thinking of us, his people. He's praying for us. Well, what is he praying for? How is Jesus praying for his disciples? And that is what I want us to be exploring today as we look at these verses. Turn with me to John 17, 11 here. Kind of jump forward there. 11 through 13, it says this. Jesus says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. You kind of see a theme going on here. Which you have given me, I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may, may have my joy fulfilled in them. Jesus says something here. In Jesus' prayer here, he says this, Father, keep them in your name. Why would Jesus even have to pray that? Father, keep them in your name. Jesus knows what's about to take place. Jesus knows the suffering that is about to come to his disciples. Now, Years ago, a couple years ago, I preached on the book of Acts, and we looked at the suffering and the pain the disciples went through. Every single one of them was persecuted. Not a single one wasn't. Every single one of them faced beatings and hardships and pain. And Jesus, Jesus who, who watched over them while he was still with them on this side of heaven, he guarded them, he watched over them, but he knows that the time is about to come and he's leaving and he's saying father father i'm praying that you would keep them in your name because jesus knows how the human person operates you, and and i have talked about this here many many times but when human beings face hardship when we face persecution when we face difficulties on this side of heaven things start to shake within us we start to become a little bit wobbly and it is very easy to slip, to really to, to, to slip away and just give up. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul has this same reminder of this. For Paul says this, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, I could bear it no longer. I sent to learn about your faith for fear of somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. There is this teaching and there is this thought that, and it's the reality of life, when there's pain and when there's suffering, our faith can easily become shaken. For us to just sit back and think, oh, our, our, our faith can't be shaken. Go through difficult times and you will recognize faith can be shaken. It can be, it can be troublesome. 
I have had times in my own life, even, you know, I've been following Christ for about 20 years, but I have had some real hard seasons where I am questioning, God, is this even worth it? Because what I'm going through, the pain of ministry, the pain of what I'm seeing, God, I'm, if I'm really honest, I'm, I'm starting to kind of question, is this worth it? And Jesus is praying for his people because he knows there is going to be suffering on this side of heaven. And he knows that it can shake our faith. And Jesus is saying, Lord, keep them in your name. Lord, protect them. When I was with them, I watched over them. And, and we simply know that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus shepherds his people and the Father shepherds us as well. And Jesus is praying, Lord, just, just protect them. Lord, watch over them. Keep them close. Keep them in your name. Because it's so easy. And if you have been following Christ, you know difficulties shake us. For us to say, oh, that doesn't shake anything, it does shake us. And for the disciples, read the book of Acts. You want to talk about getting shaken? I mean, I don't know about you. I've never been dragged off to prison and beaten for days. That's never happened to me. Happened to them. But you see the heart that Jesus has. He says, Father, I want you just to keep them in your name because he knows what is about to be coming here. And in John 16, Jesus said this as well. He said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have many tribulations. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Father, keep them. Like I said, it's been so encouraging knowing that this is the heart that Jesus has. This is Jesus' prayer for his people. But part of being kept in Christ is his word. Look at John 17, 14. He says this, I have given them, what? Your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Jesus gave the disciples when he was with them his teachings, his words. He had given them the words of God. And Jesus says, I have given them your word. And what happened within the disciples' lives is as they followed Christ, as they listened to the teachings of the Heavenly Father that were through Jesus is that their allegiance to this world drastically started to change. When men and women start to listen to the Word of God, when they start to follow the Word of God, just like in this time, as Jesus' disciples followed them, their allegiance changed. Their allegiance changed from this world, from wanting to fit in with this world, to becoming part of God's heavenly kingdom. And Jesus even simply says that here. He says, he says, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. And just as I am not of this world. There is this idea that, that as men and women come to God's word and fall underneath the teachings of Jesus, our allegiance change. And what happens is we start to differ from the world. And I've talked about that a a ton, and you guys know that as a believer, as you look at God's Word and as you look at the world around you, they are in total contrast at all times. It's not just our culture 
right now. Don't think like, oh, we live in a special time where our culture's gone crazy. It's been like this from the very beginning. The moment God called His people out of Egypt to take the promised land, God's Word and God's people were different. Totally different. And it's always been that way. But Jesus doesn't take us out of the world. Look at verse 15. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus' prayer is that, hey, don't take them from the world. Now, why would that be? Have you ever thought about that? Why are you here? Why, you know, you can almost say, why were they left behind? Why were the disciples not taken with them? Would have been so much easier. Like, hey, it's over. Jesus dies. He rises. Hey, the disciples are like, Jesus, you won. The victory is yours. Let's go with you. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm not taking you with me. I got a plan for you. I got a purpose for you. I'm leaving you behind. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be difficulties. But I got a plan for you. And we see that in Matthew 28, for go out unto all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That the disciples were left because they had a purpose to bring the gospel, to bring the message of Jesus to the world around them. And it hasn't changed. As followers of Christ, it hasn't changed. We're still in this world. And it's interesting because as you as you see Christian movements, there have been many movements where people have said, well, if I'm in this world, I'm not going to be of this world. And they would take extreme measures like the Amish. You know, the Amish people, have you ever looked into, into their culture? They live in this world, but they have like nothing to do with the world. Well, unless you need something built, they will definitely enter the world build you some barns, you know, do, do different things there. But culturally, they have become separatists to this world. They're like, we live in this world, but we don't want anything to do with this world. So we are separating ourselves. We live in our own areas, and we are separate from the world. I don't believe that that is God's plan, because God's heart is for men and women to come to faith in Jesus. How in the world can men and women come to faith in Jesus is what Romans talks about. Paul, like, if they don't hear. Like, like if we're totally separate from the world, the world has, has no access to the gospel because Jesus said the church is going to be the light of the world. The church is going to be the men and women that go and bring the gospel to this world. So we are left behind in this world. The, the disciples were, and we are as well, that it's, you're here for a purpose. And Jesus says, God, I'm, I'm praying that, 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 that you would keep them from the evil one. That is a valid prayer. Do you realize one of the twelve was taken over by who? The evil one. Like, we sometimes like, forget this, that like, Satan's active. Satan hates you. He hates Jesus. He hates God's people. And and, and Judas was taken over. Look at John 13. And Jesus answered, it is, it is to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And after he had taken the morsel, look at the word, Satan 
entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do it quickly. Jesus knows the temptation. Jesus knows the, the evil one is lurking. And Jesus is praying, Father, keep them from the evil one. As Jesus is our great shepherd, he protects us, God protects us, and this is part of the heart of who Jesus is for us. Lord, protect them from this evil one. You can even look at Jesus' prayer when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Matthew 6.13 Lead us not into temptation, but what? But deliver us from the evil one. Don't let the evil one take them, Lord. And then Jesus jumps back and reminds them once again about God's word. Look at verse 17. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We see once again that Jesus' prayer for his people, for his disciples, is the word of truth. You guys know how much I love history. Because I bore it with you on most Sundays. So I'm going to bore, bore it with you one more time here. As you read church history, specifically church history, you will see this tread or this, 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 this common theme. When God's people stray away from his word, you can read this all throughout, all throughout Christian history, as they stray away from his word, the church begins to crumble. You see sin taking it over. Read about the Reformation. I love reading Martin Luther. He's one of my probably, probably heroes of the faith. But Martin Luther comes back to the Word of God. This is in the you know, 1915s, early 1915s. And Martin Luther realizes that the church that he is a part of has strayed away from the Word of God. You know, at the time, the, the church, it sounds crazy, but did you guys realize that, that like at the time, the church would sell you rights to sin? So let's just say you were having some feelings for your neighbor, your neighbor's wife. You wanted to have a relationship with her. You'd go to the church. You'd say, priest, uh, I want to do something wrong with my neighbor here. Okay they would sell you a penance. And you could buy sin. Think about that, church. Really think about that. Now us, you know, we've come through the Reformation. We've gotten back to, to the Word of God. But, but really, really think about that. The church was doing this. That's just one of many sins that had like taken place. And, and on a side note, if you ever make it to Europe and you see all those cathedrals, they were built by the sins of God's people. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Now, did they make beautiful cathedrals? Absolutely. But Martin Luther gets back to the Word of God. And there's a revival. And there is men and women coming back to faith. But when, men, when God's people stray away from God's Word, that is what happens. It's like the church just, it just starts to crumble. And all this sin and worldliness just kind of overtakes it. And you can't even distinguish the church from the world. And Jesus is praying that the word of truth, oh man, we have to stay close to the word of God. We cannot stray away from it, and it's 
it's so tempting. And we talk about this. It's so tempting. This culture around us, it's so tempting. And sometimes they seem like, you know, their ways of love are just so, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. But it's like we always have to bring it back to the word of truth, to the word of God. Because if you stray, if you decide to, well, it kind of makes sense out there, it's easy to slip away. And Jesus is praying for his people. Lord, do not, Lord, keep them. Keep them, sanctify them in the word of truth. Lord, keep them, keep them in this word. It's so vital for us, for us, church. I, um, I cannot tell you as a pastor how heartbreaking it is when I see this culture, when I see other churches throw out the word of God and they adopt the ways of the culture where they say the culture is right, the Bible is wrong. It is like, as a pastor, it is like the most heartbreaking thing because it's like God's people, this is our calling to hang on to the word of truth. Like we do not get rid of his word. It doesn't matter if the culture says, well, that's archaic, that's out of date, that doesn't blend with today's standards. It says your standards will never be God's standards. We're always coming back to his word. And to me, that is my biggest prayer for this church. Many of you have heard me say that we have to stick to the word of God. It doesn't matter what the culture does. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what they say. Let them call you names. Let them do whatever they want to do. Let them beat you. Let them just just absolutely ridicule you. It doesn't matter because we are going to stand on the word of truth because not only is the word is the only thing that actually brings life to this world, but it's what transforms hearts of men and women is when his word does not ever come back void. It goes out and it is sharper than a double-edged sword and it transforms lives and it pierces hearts and it is the thing that we as the church must hang on to. We cannot back down from it. And I just, I just say that often because, guys, I, I, I see it playing out within churches. That's the most heartbreaking thing. I see these churches that are like, they just adopt what the world says. And I'm like, we can't do that. You know, we may become un, unpopular. Like, we may be hated. Well, guess what? Jesus already warned us. They will hate you. They're not going to like you. You're not really that friends with them. And if they did like you, and if they did like me, they wouldn't kill me, Jesus says. Like, and it's like, this is the, the cost of being a Christ follower church. Is that you will have to stand for truth. And the world will not like it. There will be times in your life, and I think, I think as you guys have seen, it's only increasing. It's not like it's like our world is somehow becoming coming more and more righteous. And they're like, oh yeah, these Christians are great people. We really like Christians. They don't like you. But I've said that enough here. So I share this with you guys. And I realize as you look at this and as you look at this entire section, I can't even, I don't even have enough time today to go through all of it there. There's even this section there where Jesus is praying that we would become one, this idea of, of just being, of, of being simply unified. But I feel like I've preached on that so much at this church, you guys are probably bored of it because I mention it all of the time, that God's desire for his people is to be unified. 
We're not going to be unified to this world, but his prayer is that we would be unified, meaning like his body, his people would be unified. I was actually talking with uh, someone this week about how amazing it is that God's church really is unified in many aspects. I realize there's a lot of divisions out there and you know, it's easy to like, be like, well, why is there so many different churches? There might be a lot of different churches in Marquette, but I can tell you this. I personally know many of the pastors, and they personally, there is not, there's no division going on there. The pastors at Bethel and New Life and Water's Edge, I love those guys. We pray together. We love each other. We are on mission together. Now, do we have different churches? Sure. But are we, are we, are we unified? I would say there is a lot of churches that are more unified than what a lot of congregations realize. We don't, we don't look at each other like, like it's somehow competition. You know, so if, if you worship here or, or, or if you worship there, I just want God's people to be with, with God's people. But there is this, this uh, reality that we do have to be staying unified and and, and, you know, we're going to have disagreements. We're going to have, have, have ups and downs. But the unity comes on what is our purpose and what is our mission. Our purpose is to bring the gospel. That's our mission. Like, we are here. We are left in this world. Jesus does not take us out of this world. He leaves us here so that we'd be unified to bring the gospel message to this world around us. Well, I was also thinking this past week, about how God's Word is so vital. And I realize I'm kind of jumping around here, but as I was thinking about this entire chapter, Jesus is constantly jumping around here. So if, if this is one of my uh, crazy messages, we might have a better one next week. I'll just tell you that. So, so come back next week and we can try something here. But this past week, I was walking with, with a friend. Um, I've become a walker, church. I don't know if many of you are aware of that. I'm in competition with Elise back there. On these Apple watches, you keep track, and I've been walking like 90 minutes a day. It's a little bit crazy, but um, so I was walking with, with a friend this past week, and him and I, we were talking about how important it is for our minds and for our hearts to be in the Word of God, and, and we were just sharing about how like the world we live in, and, and there has been studies done, like so many studies, that the, the current culture we live in, especially with the internet and social media, that like this world is constantly trying to give you a message. You may not know this, but if you are on social media, who here has any kind of social media? Looking for a raise of hands. Mitch does, his hand went like right up. Mitch was like, I do, I got social media. The social media companies, they have actually come out and said this. They have, like, proven this. They know you, and they, and they like, cater to you. And they are, like, they, they even know if you are scrolling on Facebook, if you hover over someone's post longer than other people's posts, that, per, that person's posts keep on coming up. You don't even have to like it. Even if you just, like, slow down, like, just, like, hey, what's Mitch doing today? And now I see Mitch's stuff every, every like single day. But I bring this up because this world is constantly trying to give us a message. They're constantly trying to, to, to shape and transform us. But this is why I would say, church, and, and this is why Jesus prays that we would stick to the word of truth. Because we have to be transformed by the word of God. Like, 
this world wants to conform how you think and how you act and what is right and what is wrong, and they, they bombard you with it, especially if you are on social media or just watching YouTube or watching TV, the commercials, everything. This world is trying to get you a message that is not biblical truth. And as me and my friend, we were walking, we were just like, man, like, you really have to be aware of what you are consuming into your mind. Because if you're just scrolling online, it's like you're just getting messages after messages. But as believers in Christ, I, I think about Romans 12, 12 2. And, and I think this is so applicable to Jesus' prayer here as well. He says this, do not be conformed to this world. Think about that in the sense of our current world. For you young people who are on social media, well, let's just be honest. Everyone is on social media for, I mean, some of you. Who here isn't on social media? I, I want to praise you. David, yes, we've got oh, Giuseppe, of course. I love it. Jim, Jim, we got to get you. Jim, Jim is like, I'm not getting on that stuff. There is something powerful about, about not being on it because Romans says, do not be conformed to this world, but look at this, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What I would say to that church is Jesus' biggest prayer is that God would keep us. And I think what we have to do is stay very, very close to his word. We have to let his word transform us. We have to look to his word. This is why I talk about us memorizing it and reading it daily and getting into the word of God as often as we can because this world wants to conform us. They want to transform our minds, but we have to always bring the filter through the word of God. And say, God, help me just to stay close to your word. Father, keep me as what Jesus has prayed. Lord, keep me in your word of truth. Sanctify me. Keep me close to your heart, Lord. Uh-oh. We got questions now? I'll take a question. Anthony, talk to me here. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, that's such a good question. I did not realize Sunday morning was going to turn into a question and answering time. <laughs> Like I'm giving some sort of uh, lecture there. So his question was, is, well, what happens when I just don't feel like reading the Word of God? Has anybody else ever had that feeling? Everyone's like, I, I'm not going to lift up my hand. <laughs> We've all had that feeling, right? I would, I would, I, I would say this is, where, this is where a very unpopular word comes in, the word discipline. It's an unpopular word, right? Nobody wants to be disciplined. Our culture doesn't want to be disciplined. No one does. But I would say and encourage you, recognizing those moments, recognizing where your heart and mind is at, God already knows, right? You're going to be having moments where you may not feel like reading the Word of God. But I would, I would say the discipline of saying, God, I'm coming to Your Word. Lord, You know and, and we need to just be honest with God, right? So many people are like pretending that God doesn't know how they feel and think. 
God already knows, right? There's no secret to him. It's not like you can somehow trick him into thinking like, well, I really don't feel this way, but I'm going to let him know that I'm feeling excited today for his word. He's looking at you like, I already know who, who you are. I created you. I know every fiber within you. But I think the, the first step is just being honest and pray. God, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not desiring your word today. But this is why I said discipline and saying, God, I'm, I love you. I want to know you. I want to be kept in your word. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want you to speak to me. And it's, and it's to me, having that honest prayer and then reading. You know, maybe, maybe just read a psalm that day. I personally go back to the psalms constantly. If I'm not sure, like, oh, God, I'm just, it's a busy day, I, I turn to the psalms. Psalm 23, Psalm 19, Psalm 81. I mean, just fill it in. Psalm 51, David's prayer. And it's just saying, God, I, I may not be feeling it right now, but I love you. And my call is to be obedient to you. And my call is to listen to your word, to come under your authority, to come under your truth. Father, I submit to you today. So I say it's, it's a struggle that I think everybody faces. It's true. You're not going to wake up every single day feeling like you want to be reading God's word, but I believe that as it becomes a discipline within us, as we read his word, the love for his word grows. Where our treasure is there, our heart will be also. It's what do we value? What do we treasure? That's what grows our heart's love for that object, right? I mean, I mean, like, think about, like, relationships. Re- remember when you first met your, your spouse? All you wanted to do was just spend time with them. And what is that doing? It's growing your passion for them, right? Like, and it's, it's the same is true within God's Word. As you, as you spend time in His Word, as, as you just spend time with them, it develops, it grows. I've heard of, of people just sending, you know, getting, like, one of those old-school Old school egg timers. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you just set the timer. They would, they would just start off setting it for like five minutes. God, I, I'm going to spend five minutes in your word today. I'm just going to set the timer. And they do that. And it's developing discipline. It's, it is developing a passion and that starts to grow. And the next thing you know, it's not just five minutes. Because the five minute bell dings and you say, God, I want more of you. A lot more of your words. So that's what, and maybe a little bit longer answer. Should we take some more questions today? We got, we got, oh, oh, oh I should not have said, we got one more. <laughs> one more question. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. 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 Mm. Cody, let's let's have lunch after church today. That's a long one. That's a long one. But good one. Good one. I want to pray for us, church family. 
I'm going to ask you to, to uh, stand, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and play Knowing You. Jeff, if you can, Knowing You. Thank you. But I want to be praying for us, church, and I realize service, well, things don't always go as planned. That's okay. I like it. But let's pray. Father, Father, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you for praying for us. Father, your people need your prayers. Jesus, you intercede on behalf of your people and on behalf of your church. And Father, you are praying for us even now. Father, keep us close to you. Keep us in your word. Sanctify us in your word. Father, may we draw near to you this week. Father, prepare our hearts and minds for Good Friday and for Resurrection Sunday. Lord, help us to just keep our thoughts on you, to dwell on you, to dwell on your word. Father, we come and we give you all the praise and all the glory this morning. And Lord, as we sing, draw our hearts close to you. I pray this now in Jesus' name.